1: Oh, there we go. Amazing. So, you didn't hear any of that I- intro or anything like that? Well, that's fine. Uh, it's right in Mysterio. So, for those of you who couldn't hear me before, uh, here for the 29th of July of 2012. And I have a guest today, uh, as announced on the site, um, Damon Packard, who's a director. Uh, can you. Is your mic work in there? You can pick I think it up. So, yes. Okay. Yeah. You can pick it up if you want. I'm, I just hold. Mo- we don't have these fancy radio things that hold the microphone up. <laughs> I oh, got this one. is fine. This yeah. is great.
2: Uh, it's appropriate because I just posted an uh, interview with Bob Lazar on my Facebook page today. I saw that. Um, yeah. Without really thinking that, you know, that was going to be on Radio Mysterioso, which is... About that sort of thing,
1: yeah. Well, we t- we I think we even talked about Bob Lazar a couple of weeks ago, and oh. what might have been the reason for him uh, coming to prominence. and yeah, saying very, what he said.
2: Very interesting guy. I always enjoy uh, listening to him, his stories. I mean, he's 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 one of the most credible people, you know, in that field. I mean, you think you so? Him, I think so. Yeah. I mean, when you hear him describe. You know the specifics and the details of what he did, and and where he worked, and 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 then gets into the, the mathematical background of physics and propulsion, and you know he really knows his stuff in the, in that area, and you know it goes way over people's heads. So he obviously has the kind of background that that yeah. that he would be recruited for for that kind of work. You know he was this genius, this young genius with uh you know with physics and um, propulsion i mean he invented some sort of uh like um something when he was like 20 years old he won some award for inventing like a nuclear fission motor or something like that i that's you know something i'm loosely uh i can't remember exactly what it was but yeah yeah i mean no he's a very interesting guy I i think
1: yeah I think he's very smart. Um, smart to me doesn't yeah. mean that I believe his story. Um, uh, what we talked about on my show, I talked to a guy that had went to his house supposedly in 1991, or uh-huh. right after the story broke with George Knapp and all that. Norio Hayakawa, he was he took a Japanese um, TV crew uh-huh. to what they what they told him was Bob Lazar's house. He huh. said they got there, there was almost no furniture. There was, like, a few books. He said it looked like a set, almost. And there were two guys that followed him everywhere that stayed with him while he was talking and whatever he was doing. And they just, like, basically stood next to him. And he said it really felt like a, like an act. Um, really? Which is something I suspected a long, for a long time. And I didn't know that story. I think he was set up to say all that stuff. Huh. Um, for some who knows what reason, but... For the for, uh, to get that to get some sort of weird story out and started and see who was interested. Yeah, who knows? Does, I, doesn't mean he's stupid or he didn't. You know, I think he did work in secret uh, at secret facilities. I think he did have clearances and all that, but that doesn't mean that he knows what's going on. I think he was shown stuff or told to say. I, well, I think he believes what he's saying, but I also think that he was he was allowed to do. If he was if he wasn't supposed to say that, you would have never heard of him. Hmm. I think It was done for a purpose I, I really do think that And that's interesting to me That's like almost nearly as interesting to me As if what I thought he was saying was so Had some reality behind it So you think there is a, a certain level of truth that he worked there And that he was in that
2: secret program uh, At S4 Yeah And But you don't Probably yes But, you, but when it comes to the alien technology
1: You, you don't you don't believe in that uh, part of it or that goes too far for you think? i don't i don't believe it coming from him mm. unless there is something like that and somebody wanted to get it out which i seriously doubt um like well, i said it's not like he's saying this uh, he wouldn't be saying this stuff if if some if the he wasn't supposed to they would have told him to stop it
2: well according to him he was he was like under heavy attack you know when he when he got in trouble for uh, breaking the, uh, I think it was you know when they were testing the the, the ships at a certain time out there. There there was a certain time they would do that during the week, and he brought some people out there to see it. Yeah, and then he got busted for that. And well, he can say whatever he wants. And then they were like going after him and trying to erase his history, and he was paranoid for for a while. And um, he talks about that. Like, I mean, I know yeah. he's addressed. Why it is they just
1: didn't kill them off right away, and yeah, uh, you mean, don't have to kill people to make them stop talking. you just tell them to stop it, and then if they don't stop it, you use other things. you don't have to poison or kill anybody. You can make people stop things um, very quickly without having to maybe not even threatening them just by directing their attention. To them. killing people is, and threatening them is very messy. Just influencing them to do things is, is uh, I think, fairly easy. So how would they? How would
2: they do that then? I mean, how would you stop someone talking?
1: Uh, brainwash threaten their income, threaten their well. He reputation, that that threaten their. You see,
2: that's that's what he claims would happen to him. Like that, they did all that stuff right. to stop him from talking. That yeah, they you know, and they were he was like under heavy uh, yeah attack from. And like threats I said, and, he
1: can say anything he wants are there people with him when this happens does he have some some sort of, did he have some sort of documentation of this i remember i think he said somebody shot at his window and he showed the like window with the gun hole a bullet hole in it or something like that huh but i, I you know i have to me the most you know what's the most likely thing that he saw alien craft and the, and he's revealing it and the government can't stop him or that he was supposed to say that stuff for some inscrutable reason um that only somebody in the intelligence community knows about. that That's my bias. I mean, I will admit that's my bias. Um, that's not to say there aren't, you know, non-human people interacting with us. I think that happens. I really do. But I don't think, I I, I don't, I tend to doubt that Bob Lazar had anything to do with it, really. Um, hmm. Because this, you know, this he said exactly what people wanted to hear, I think at that time. And I and it's the other thing was the Area 51 was mentioned about 2 years before Lazar said anything. Somebody started leaking that Area 51 stuff from inside the government. Huh. And it's it Lazar just kind of, you know, it's like nobody was listening, so I guess Lazar got inserted in there and you know, why didn't they tell him to shut up right away? It's like he got threatened, but it was months later. And what about this guy going to his house and with these two unidentified strange men standing yeah. around him while he talked? It sounds like people are trying to control what he says.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's uh, strange. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, his story broke in I think the late eighties, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. I think it was. And yeah, it was
1: actually it was right before that on that UFO cover-up live show. They mentioned Area Fifty-One. somebody tried to remind me of this. Um and a researcher i know got a map of area 51 at least a year or two before that as well because they were trying to make him spread that idea out and he said he couldn't do anything with it because there's nothing to prove so he never did i have that map it actually has a little dotted line that says saucer mesa on it and s4 area somebody had written in in, in uh, red um, marker pen uh uh-huh. so i think somebody was somebody somewhere was trying to push that idea again and again until it got out. And I don't think it's because they want people to know that there's secret UFOs being tested there. I think it's because they want people to think that and have some sort of attention drawn to it. Or they did, um, for some inscrutable reason, um, which I think had little to do with UFOs and aliens and a lot more to do with national security and um, people from other countries Hmm. talking to UFO researchers and asking them what they knew and because they... They, they wanted to control the information coming out of that area by having people who said they knew what was going on out there or saw things out there talk to, you know, spread this information and talk to people from other countries and Russian agents or whatever, because that happened. Huh. So you think it was to obfuscate some other... Uh... I think it was to get people excited about it in, in some weird way, but not in a way that a lot of people would pay attention to. Um, Only wacky UFO people. Yeah. Just a sec. Somebody's knocking. Probably Alan Lee. Huh. nobody there.
2: Hello. What the hell is going on here?
1: (laughs) So (laughs) far, David's interviewing me. Ha ha ha.
2: Huh, yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, that, that's what I think. I think he's. I don't know. I I kind of lean towards. You know him being genuine. I mean, just. You know, I don't know, just something about him. You know. The, the, I think the, he. Uh, I think that he thinks he's the...
1: genuine, for the most part. Yeah. Hmm. I think he saw stuff, but. I think he thinks it's... A, yeah, that, was, that, that book was in my, in my uh, uh, glove box in my scooter. I thought I'd bring it up. It's, a, it's, what, it's is, what I take with me in case I have nothing to read.
2: Flying Saucers on the Attack.
1: <laughs> wow, what year is that is, book? Like 1958 is, or 1960 yeah, or something like that? What does it say on 54. it? 54. Wow, 1954. Flying Saucers on the Attack by... Is that Wilkins or yeah, here, Harold here, T. Here, Wilkins? Yeah.
2: Additional material from 67...
1: Yeah. Oh. Okay. So that's a that's a reissue. You can tell it sits in my scooter uh, box because it's got. I think it's got some dirt and mold around the edges of it. The
2: Golden Age. Wow. Fifty four.
1: Yeah. That's uh I've. I don't think I've ever read that whole book, but you just can't deny that's such a cool title: "Flying Saucers on the Attack."
2: Nineteen fifty one. When were the uh, the the Pentagon. Uh that flap that that was at fifty one or
1: oh the oh god I can't I think you're right like fifty one or two it, what it's what probably listeners it? going no and looking it up but yeah. whatever
2: and there was uh, when did the attack of uh, or the um, Earth versus Earth versus versus flying saucers come out don't was know it, it was around that time I just I, I, I wonder if that was inspired by the I think it was probably
1: was great effects in that yep. Earth vs. the Flying Saucers, nineteen fifty six. Fifty six, yeah. yeah. So definitely there was probably some connection there. Yeah. The, uh... So um I was uh Laney's here and she she suggested that I, I talk to Damon on my show, and so far it was it's been a really good idea. Um Yes. Uh Damon's latest uh Magnum opus, his latest film, uh Fox Fur. I was about to say Fox Fire. Fox Fur <laughs> um, premiered, what was it, last weekend? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. at the Egyptian. The Egyptian, yeah.
2: yeah. Fox Fire was a was a film in the 90s with Angelina Jolie. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was Firefox was Yes. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. From 82. Little
1: Foxes. Yeah, that too. Little Foxes, yeah. From I, uh, 1980. Yeah. I watched the film in two parts. I watched half an hour of it yesterday and a little over half an hour of it today to get to the end. And then um, I went to uh, a review because uh, I wanted to know if what I thought of it, somebody else had picked up on the same stuff. And it kind of was. Did you not know what to think of it? Did you find it hard to sit through? Didn't find it hard to sit through, strangely enough. I mean, some people go, what the hell is going on? But mm-hmm. it's, it's a certain point. If you're watching a film and you're saying "What the hell's going on?" like a third of the way into it, stop saying that because that's not how you're supposed to be watching it. Um, yeah. Unless it really sucks, because you know that's 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 different. But if it really sucks, then you can enjoy it on a completely different level. But um, Foxford does not get anywhere near really sucks. It just it, it, it as soon as I stop going, what's going? Okay, I'm just supposed to watch this. Then it started to work for me. Hmm. I think I'd have to have repeated viewings and I don't it, well you know it's like you know every time they talk to David Lynch they go what does this mean and he goes I don't know yeah um, well, and usually, he truly I mean, means that you know yeah. in, in some certain sense but then on the other sense he just doesn't want you you know be shoving ideas down your throat
2: yeah I mean you know it, when people are confused by something I mean the reason that film Fox for is you know has such a, uh, a vague linear um, narrative um thread to it is because I was only shooting random you know, it's not a complete film for one I was only shooting a no budget version from a, a script and doing uh, like random scenes, things that were possible to do for no money and then expanding things that weren't in the script which makes things even more um, uh, abstract and uh, you know, surreal when you do that When you, you know, you design a film that way so um and I knew that, you know, that was going to be the end result, too. It was, I mean, um, but usually, yeah, when people say, uh, you know, have that reaction, which is the bulk of the human race, I think, yes. I think, <laughs> I think that just means they don't like, I mean, it's just another way of saying they don't like it. Um, and, uh, cause I, I mean, at least for myself, I know I don't care if something is, I just know whether I like something or not. I don't overanalyze it if, if something is confusing or, uh you know I'm lost or I you know it
1: doesn't matter if it's interesting I don't yeah I, I don't care um that's that's how I ended up feeling about it it's like this is interesting and I'll watch it again um now it's funny cuz one of my questions was uh what do you think of Bob Lazar and Hoagland and all that and you have a kind of a different take on it than I do I've 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 been into it for I don't know how long and at a certain point I kind of got to the point I I kind of got to this level where the noise, the signal to noise was so much, I kind of just stopped. You know, I, I kind of stopped paying attention to Rick, Richard Hoagland and mm-hmm. stopped paying attention to, <laughs> to David Icke. And, well, Ike very yeah. early on, but. Um, just, it, they just kind of start repeating themselves. These are themselves. characters in the movie, actually. Uh, oh, yeah, play, yeah. Played and, by actors, but they're in the movie.
2: Yeah, and I meant to have a few more, too. I mean, the, the script has Billy Meyer and... Oh, as really? characters. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, in fact, David Icke, Richard Hoagland. Richard C. Hoagland and Billy Meyer end up sort of teaming together in the in the full length version and um saving the world. they 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 become like a, a a little team. Um Yeah, and I think I had some other characters in there too. I was I was trying to pack everyone in there. Excuse
3: me, there's a longer version?
2: No, the script. In the <laughs> script. <laughs> the longer version that doesn't exist. Um so yeah. I wish I could have gotten uh Billy Meyer in there, and I wish I could have found someone who, who, who at least somewhat resembles Richard C. Hoagland. Um, <laughs> I the, the like Hoagland, the fact uh, that the
1: guy didn't resemble, resemble yeah. Richard Hoagland.
2: Uh, John, the guy who played him, is a really nice guy, a friend of mine. And, and um.
1: I think he did a great job, actually. To yeah. me, he was like second to the your main character, the one in the van whose name I can't remember because I've only seen it once. I mean, just in terms Chris of Caniff, like, yeah, yeah. St- stealing the show.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he really holds it together i mean Chris um he's great i mean uh
1: yeah he should be uh he should be doing big films do you if somebody uh walked up to you and said, I, uh what is this before they even saw it would you tell them anything and and then we'll go into after they see it what would you say it would depend on what their reaction was right?
2: before they saw it would I tell them anything and
1: Besides what's in the trailer, which is basically kind of just like the film, except it's not really about the film. It just kind no. of shows you who's going to be in it.
2: Yeah, and a lot of those characters are minor yeah. characters that show up for a few and there's shots
1: and, in it that are didn't actually make it into the and, final cut. Yeah, of well,
2: movie. I, I like doing that. With, yeah, I like yeah creating trailers that way where you put stuff in there that isn't in the movie and um, um you know I always liked those trailers. You know, trailers in the 70s where they would shoot things for the trailer specifically, shoot scenes or shots or, you know, it might be even just a title design or something. They don't do that anymore. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, the trailer can be like a little movie in itself that's separate from Mm -hmm. from the film. It doesn't have to be. I mean, obviously, trailers now are so formulaic. It's ridiculous. They have been forever, but uh, they used to be less so. At some point, the, you know, the formula really took over and completely took over. Yeah, uh, but um,
1: yeah, you know, I, you know, maybe the question I guess, should uh, be more. Somebody to say, "Why should I watch the film?"
2: And it's the same I was just diverging a little bit it's the same with like featurettes behind the scenes featurettes in the 60s and 70s they were they were unique creative little movies in themselves a lot of them they yeah. were put together by filmmakers and they had a, they would go off into certain areas they would you know like the featurette for like Funny Girl or or uh, Point Blank for example the John Borman films you know is about Alcatraz and it interviews some of the, the inmates there and yeah. and you hear their uh, their monologues and you know things like that you know those were those were interesting little movies in themselves the featurettes for, yeah um yeah, I mean we've gone so far into a different direction now with with you know, creative approach to filmmaking, but but what was your getting your question though?
1: Well, my uh, I tried to narrow my question down to s- if well, somebody if say? somebody was thinking this if you said somebody's somebody say I was, well, you just met somebody and they, they they'd say um why should I watch this movie? What would you tell them? Uh <laughs> well,
2: I yeah, I don't know. what you know,
1: we're sort of doing that on the show. But we we can talk about whatever we want.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if anyone has an interest in, you know, the regular subjects of coast to coast over the last twenty years, um, they might find it interesting. I mean, if there if anyone is interested in the Billy Meyer Pleiadian story, they 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 I would think they might. Oh, that's right. Want to be yeah. interested because that that was the main inspiration for the film, wanting to do a film about the 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 Billy Meyer story, right? I, well, and,
1: and yeah, in the trailer you actually use Art Bell saying, "Here's the sound of the the yeah. beam ship," and with that, I think that's the actual sound he played, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that was the
2: you know, yeah it was the recording from 1980, and that sound is actually high tension wire holding up the models. There was a guy who recreated that in England. Really, um, go ahead. Interesting, interesting guy who who created exactly what. What are we uh, distracted? With something? What? no, oh. no. <laughs> he created exactly what uh, recreated what what Meyer did with the models. Really convincing. Yeah. Um, and the he discovered by accident that that sound. You know that whirring sound is what you get through the the high tension of the wires holding up the models when they're in close proximity to each other. They 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 make that sound. It's the exact sound. Oh wow! And he demonstrated that in a video. And I I was in corresponding with the guy while I was making the film, and he really liked the footage. I, I shot the David Ike sequence at the Bodhi Tree, and um, and he was going to send me some beamship model. He made some like exact replica beamship models, and and um. I just I couldn't come up with the money to you know, to pay for his labor and the shipping and all that. So I ended up just using the one the one model
1: I had made, which is a pretty good scale model. Yeah. Um it is. I remember once seeing this you know who Michael Hesseman is, that that German UFO researcher? He's not hasn't been around for years. That's, I don't even that's familiar. know if he's still alive. But he was pushing the Meyer stuff once and I remember seeing him at one of these conferences and he he said um he was showing these films and one of them was this uh, one of these ships, and it was just kind of flying around in a circle, uh-huh. and it was obvious it was on a wire. And that it it the, was uh, leaning in because it had a, a point in yeah. which the top of it was suspended. Yeah, it was—is
2: uh, that the footage where it's going around the tree? Yes, yeah, yes. It yeah. was. Ar- there's the only air. so much footage. It's all online too. I mean, there's yeah. only so much footage that that got put out there, and that was footage that was reshot off a screen by the Japanese crew when they were visiting Meyer, and he put on his. Um, Super 8 projector and showed it for them. I think that's the only footage that exists or that got circulated Um, I think that's
1: what he was showing
2: but yeah there's the tree footage where it's swinging back and forth the guy in England rigged up these models the same way where it had that same movement to it Um, so yeah it seemed seemed like you know pretty obvious at that point yeah yeah.
1: but you that was like a jumping off point for the movie though so you don't you don't really what do you think of billy meyer i mean do you believe anything that he says or that he had any sort of contact with anything or was it just a really interesting cultural phenomenon that was a good like kind of uh um stake to hold down part of your story
2: well i don't know because there there there's still some other aspects of the whole thing that that can't be answered so easily like the eyewitnesses and the uh um, you know, all the people that the, the live in the surrounding areas, they were interviewed and they'd been seeing things for, uh, you know, similar sightings, eyewitness, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, so there's that. And then there was like other, there are other physical evidence of, in the area. The so, uh, you know there might be, some, I don't know, it's hard to say, uh, there might be something to it that, that just can't be, I don't like to dismiss things, you know, uh, I don't either, uh, but uh,
1: <laughs> Billy Meyer so I kind of dismissed. Um, people dismiss everything. Yeah. They, you know, it's, I, you it's an know automatically. It doesn't response. mean it's not interesting or important. I just dismiss it as something that actually happened, that everybody could experience. But So to me, that means it's basically meaningless for most people and for the history of mm-hmm. UFOs or whatever you want to call it. But the fact that he claimed this and the fact that it got out there and the fact that It was a compelling story uh, enough for people to get hooked into it. That interests me. I I, I don't write him off as as completely. Most people, yeah, they do make that mistake. I just write him off as somebody uh, telling 100% the truth. It's a huge story. And, you know, there there were a number of
2: investigators that went out there. I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary about um, Wendell Stevens and the two other guys, the guy from uh, that security agency... uh, uh, who went out there with his wife. It was called Contact, uh and they went up there and and uh in the late seventies. It's a very entertaining documentary, but definitely very biased towards, you know yeah. uh, it being all genuine. Uh you know, they had these like pseudo sound researchers analyzing the uh the frequencies <laughs> of the sound and, you know, this can't be produced on a synthesizer.
1: As you see the wavelength you know, things like that. Yeah. Um Nothing But doesn't have a large, you know, file in my in my mind. So because it's all interesting to me, but it's still yeah. It, there's so much. Uh, I don't
2: know, there's there's so much to that. I mean, I read those books. You know, in the eighties, I read the the. Uh, i read a lot of, of books that were coming out about the the, the Meyer contacts, But I read his contact. There's, those notes. Meyer books
1: are worth a lot now, like hundreds. Oh, of Oh, well, you mean
2: the, his contact notes? Yeah, the yeah. message from the Pleiades. They're out of print now. Yeah, yeah, yeah they had they have like one at the. Uh, it's going for a hundred dollars at the the. Um, uh, what is the name of that bookstore? It's uh, the Iliad. Since they oh moved yeah, in up in
1: uh, North Hollywood.
2: Yeah, I hope they they last because you know they move. The bookstores are just you know yeah, pretty much extinct now and uh, and yeah. I, well I, I independent
1: g- bookstores. Yeah, yeah, it's, big ones are almost extinct too. Yeah, there's like one left, right? Probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Book Co.
2: Well, there's a few. Uh, there's one in Glendale. Still there. There is. Uh, oh well,
1: there's brand books, which is very brand good. books.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, they're still there. The, that guy in Burbank th- finally just closed. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a little bookstore on Sawtelle that Lanny and I drove by the other day. Oh no, oh, that's uh, right, next, I know him next to a uh, f- uh, video. Uh, yeah, that's um, next to the video place. The guy who owns there,
2: uh, I forget his name. Is a very nice guy. I had approached him about possibly shooting. I was scouting all the bookstores when I was looking for locations and uh,
3: yeah.
2: Um, the Bodhi Tree was nice, though, to let us film there. Uh, that was actually a miracle that they let us shoot there, because they usually
1: don't let, from what I understand... Uh,
2: not they
3: already about
2: to close when you're Yeah,
1: I was wondering, because yeah, well, there's stuff in there from, like, a few months ago, and I know they closed, like, what, a year yeah, ago? Yeah, they were... they, they Well, you know, um, when I first asked them,
2: they... No, they had, like, another year or so to go, but the, the, before their lease ran out, and I thought that... The,
1: I think they were... Un- I thought that they had been saved... Maybe yeah. That, been, that's everybody thought that they were like, "Oh boy, Bodie's going to be." Then suddenly, bang! That somebody opened the trap door, and they were. Yeah, that was it? So I uh, went there that last day. Did you really? The yeah. last day that they were open. Yeah. To so the la- I was there in the last like probably hour that they were open. Oh wow! The, the shelves were all empty almost. Yeah. It was really depressing.
2: I mean, places like the Psychic Eye. Are still around, but I think they oh. make most of their business through the the psychics and you know the other things that they do there. Yeah, the, those
1: psychic girls they have in the back rooms. Um. <laughs> that sounds um. good. <laughs> okay, um, we've done your card reading. Do you want a happy ending? But um... <laughs> and selling. Uh,
2: paraphernalia and things. I don't know how yeah. many people are buying books anymore. It's like, the books I don't want to see is... what
1: paraphernalia they have. There's some psychic paraphernalia I still would like to get a hold of. Hmm. I'd like to get a scrying mirror. That would be nice. Scrying uh, mirror? Yes. And, uh... Oh, you know, up to about... I think when eBay was first up, or when I first discovered it, you could still sell, um... Oh, you can smoke in here. Really? Yeah. You can still sell e-meters on eBay, and I was outbid on one for, like, $25 once. And then within, like, about a month after that, Scientology swooped in and said, you cannot sell e-meters on eBay. Oh, really? Yeah, so I almost got an e-meter, damn it. Huh. <laughs> huh. Yeah. What I, does that ho- does that I got that hook a Violet Ray f- machine, but I got that in a in a thrift store in Roswell, actually. Huh. Vi- what is it? Violet Ray machine? Violet Ray, I mean, yeah. When
4: they... When they-
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Even though hmm. they're not supposed to change anything. It's changed. See, I don't have... There's, there's my new wallet. It's a Ouija book. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's great. When, on, when to Foxfur, um, did we talk again about six different Foxfur
4: actresses? Did you notice that they were all... Yeah, well,
1: of course, yeah. Yeah. Did
4: that come across, clearly?
1: Of course it did, because I kept calling somebody Foxfur. I it's like, that's not the same... Oh, there's another one. Okay, now I get what's going on. <laughs>
4: The, was the reason for that? Did it, did it happen out of necessity because we mm-hmm. lost actresses, or was it? Yeah, couldn't get people back.
2: People, uh, everyone's too busy. But I she, mean, you worked it into
3: the story,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. I tried to. I mean, you know, it's I had, funny. You
1: know, your it's director like character. Director, yeah. You know, to, to make lemonade. Yeah, your director character in um, uh, Space Disco yells at one point. Everybody's so busy. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, yeah, people's Walter's lives. Walter's directing movies now, and he had that same complaint.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone's lives are so hectic now. It's it's if you're not if you don't have people signed to a contract, you're not paying them a regular salary on a weekly basis, and you have a good producer who's there to make sure you know you've got your crew and your your talent are all there, committed. Um, good luck, because yeah, people are just things are going to happen. Um, you know, dilemmas, emergency. People are just. And if your shooting schedule is spread out over a long period of time, that's you know that's even more impossible. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. He had that. He had that same complaint. He says like, I can't get this damn thing done because I, I everybody else say yes, 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 and then the morning of the thing, two people call up and say, oh, I can't make it. Yeah. Well, and it's and I don't blame any of the the
2: actors or the actor. I mean, it's it's just circumstances are so people cannot unless you know they're getting really good money. Yeah. Um, Were you able to pay? I tried to yeah I paid people I I did pay people as much as I could um and it would it would vary uh usually wasn't very much some people did it for free um, some did it for barter Some people I ended up owing some money to <laughs> I told them I was going to pay and I would, it went yeah I mean and the only reason the shooting schedule is spread out over such a long period of time is because I was never able to get a hold, uh, ahead of expenses. It was just being broke month month after month. You know, so if yeah. the only time I could shoot is when I could actually get a little bit ahead of expenses, and I had a little bit of money to to pay some people or to, you know, props or wardrobe or whatever
1: is ne- There was some expense. Um, you didn't call up these these locations and ask for permission, did you? Some of them. Some of them. Well, yeah. No, to no. seek permission is to what seek denial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're always automatically going to get a
2: no. Uh, you Coppola always talks about that, too. It's like, how you get no all the time. Everyone says no. He, yeah. he, he always says, like, the best thing you can tell someone is yes, or something like that. But, uh, yeah.
1: To seek permission is to seek denial.
2: <laughs> yeah, most mm-hmm. of it was stolen uh, or grabbed on the fly as, as best we could. Uh, the Bodhi tree. They they were uh, they were really nice. Let us film there. Although we did go back a number of times and, and grab shots in the main store, mm-hmm. and um, so all oh that were stuff, those interior shots in the used book? The store? interiors were the the stuff that we had permission to was in the used annex with David yeah. Icke on the on the. Uh, on the, the phone register I wonder if, if also if people get that Ike is working at the Bodhi tree you know he's like an employee oh I got
1: it I thought I thought
2: that was great um, because I didn't I, th- I had some extra scenes where he's being like ordered to restock shelves and things like that but I didn't put them in the <laughs> movie um, and I, I kind of wonder if people are a little you know, if that comes across because he's just on the phone anyhow um, yeah so used and then we went back I wanted to shoot some scenes in the in the actual main store so we went But that was really easy though we went we shot the Bob at the uh, the Bob Lazar stuff. There, yeah. we were there for hours, and and you know it was obvious. I mean, you know they were watching us. They they saw that we were filming the employees after we were there for so long and different parts of the store. But they they let us alone. They didn't. It, it was um, oh, they're probably used to it. Well, I guess, I guess they figure you know. At that point, they were closer to closing, so I figure. I guess they figure,
1: you know. Yeah, we don't have anything to lose. What the hell? You you yeah. kind of lucked out, I guess. Let somebody uh, preserve the store on film, and or how maybe about, they. Yeah. How about um, I? I noticed the the, the really nice, beautiful scene at the end with Semyase was at mm-hmm. uh, the Brand Library. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, part of that. Was
2: we we start off? I tried to shoot the whole thing at Caltech, but. They threw us out of there, <laughs> and um, and then we went to. Uh, uh, the scene starts off at Blair High School in Pasadena. Uh, the first couple of shots, at Blair Magnet High School, I think mm-hmm. it is, and then uh, and then yeah, Brand Park Library with the white uh, buildings. Um,
1: did you have you seen the Brand family plot burial ground up above the Brand Library?
2: I've been behind that trail. There's a trail that goes yeah. way into the mountains. There, yeah, uh, I don't know if I've if seen you go that up the plot. trail
1: about, I guess if you walk about ten minutes, uh-huh. and you look closely to the right before you get to the real like unpaved wild part of it, uh-huh. there's a little fenced in area, and there's a large sandstone pyramid that's about the size of this room, that says Brand on it.
2: Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was even maybe planning on shooting some. Scenes over there, uh, okay,
1: yeah, because it's a, there's a it's all fenced in, but you can crawl under the fence and there's nobody around there. Yeah, so I took some pictures there. It was it, I wrote it for, wrote it up for Weird California, but it didn't get in. Huh? Um, yeah, there, I mean, I was scouting a lot of areas trying to find interesting locations, and a lot of them didn't get used in yeah. the film. Um, did you go? did you think? Uh, have you seen the Van Alden Caves? there are sandstone caves up near Tarzana that are just basically people have scratched graffiti and sculptures and all kinds of weird figures into this in no. this cave that's again about as big as this room and it's not it's not like this big dark cave it's just kind of this opening in the in the sandstone bluff huh and there's a hole in the top so light comes in there's like this nice one single source of light coming through the top
2: but there were some other caves that i scouted in San Pedro Oh Somewhere. I've heard of these, yeah.
1: Um yeah. Are they on the San- cliffs near the ocean? Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: yeah San Pedro had has some
1: interesting Another interesting location is the um the army installation there where they do the Battle of LA uh recreations every year. Uh which one? The one Oh, oh in oh, San Pedro, yeah, right? Yeah, it's Fort yeah. Something. It's yeah. it's up the st- it's yeah. like right up the street from the uh from yeah. the lighthouse, the old lighthouse. Yeah, a
2: lot of independent filmmakers use that. They'll throw you out of there too, but um I actually edited a short film that was shot in that a uh, fights they shot a fight sequence in that army uh, installation. Yeah, it's a neat little little location. They got There's a lot out. of
1: underground like passages in there. Yeah, it's like got this whole because they figured they're going to be getting shot at, so that yeah. they they a lot of the base is underground, and they've got tunnels in there that are basically as wide as your shoulders. Some of them that go on for hundreds of feet. Yeah, it's a good creepy place to do to, to shoot. Oh, I know. Yeah, and, yeah no, if you could I, get in there.
2: I, well, a friend of mine did get it, and they shot like a lot of. They, they were there for hours, and they shot a whole fight scene there, and they were running around, and uh, and I I cut it all, and then uh, they got the cops came and threw them out of there, and we got all that on on film too, with the cops <laughs> coming. And, uh, but yeah, there's also the sunken city in uh, San Pedro, sunken city. I'm sure you know. Of the, it's an interesting little area.
1: I don't think so. Really? That's the maybe where the earthquake
2: me. hit. That it, it like uh, up up uh, heaved the the. Um, you
1: mean the Long Beach earthquake from like 1930, whatever it was.
2: I think so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, really that would have been
1: you know like basically like five miles
2: from it or whatever, ten miles. It's really old. It's this area somewhere in called the Sunken City. Uh, you can Google it. Um, it's just a, a weird, interesting area. It's otherworldly and. Um, you know Rich Polysorbe? Yes. Yeah, he gave me. He shot some footage of Sunken City and I that I cut for him. Oh, a long that's time right. Because
1: the Dominator got cleared off, so he couldn't be um, obsessed with that anymore. So I guess <laughs> you know, he's obsessed with the Sunken City. Rich poly he
2: he—he's an expert on weird locations. Yes, so. he is. Yeah. Um, he's in Space Disco too. Is he? Yeah, he plays Parsons. He plays. You know, Winston in the 1984 story there's Winston Smith and his friend Parsons. Uh, oh, okay. Um, I,
1: I, like I said, I think I watched about 15 minutes of that before today before I had to go do other stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, just but, to get uh, a little bit of. of and I also noticed there's like heavy amounts of mu- music in the films. Where do you get the music from? Do you? Is uh, it like in, in which one? In the, both, but it, especially in Fox for because that's the thing I watched most of. It's completely. It, well, it's nice because there is sound design and music throughout. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, fo- well, Foxford was was pretty much all Tangerine Dream, except. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, there was some. There was some Michael Stearns and Steve Roach, and um, and little Alan Silvestri too, from Clan of the Cave Bear. Oh, okay. Uh, but it was all Tangerine Dream, from Firestarter and. Uh, Oh yeah, audio clip.
1: Uh <laughs> Yes, yeah, they brought in some like audio that. clips. Fi-
2: I you know, I uh I didn't bring in I I was trying to figure you out You can what send
1: to- it to me and I will drop it in before I post the show. Oh, really? Yes. All right. Well, I in Fact got we you. can say and here are some audio clips. <laughs> yeah, I Oh, for the like sure, for the uh, archiver. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, there's there's what, well, we got maybe 20 people listening, 30. Yeah. Um, we sure. get, you know, a few hundred downloads or more. So. Sure. And it's on iTunes. So before okay. I post it, I take out all the us and us and, you know, whatever. And if you give that to me, yeah, I'll just drop it in. I'll do that, yeah. All right.
2: Yeah, we can make all kinds of edits to the show. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> so it, it's, are you, I noticed you used Art Bell for the the trailer. You used mm-hmm. a lot of people that were always on his show. Is this just like, the thing that you're interested in that you, because it, I noticed in Space Disco, you had Alex Jones as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Alex
2: Jones is all over Space Disco.
1: Yeah. Um, is this just, so, it's you're just interested in that culture, so that, that's what comes up in your films. Or at least two of them.
2: Well, I mean, with Space Disco, I mean, I was doing a... Uh, you must
1: be. We talked about Bob Lazar for 30 minutes at the beginning of the show.
2: Yeah, oh, oh well, yeah, no, I mean... But, I, you know, I was. I was... Making a, in Space Disco, I was making a statement, an Orwellian statement, because the, the film is a, a mix of 1984 and Logan's Run. It's, yeah. a, it's like a fusion of different ideas, a sequel to, to Logan's Run and a sequel to 1984, and I tried to combine. And Really, they were two separate ideas, and, and then there was a behind-the-scenes featurette thing, and I tried to mix all that. But, but so the Alex Jones and Ike seemed to fit into the, the um, 1984 um, scenario. Uh, they would be like the Goldsteins, you know. Alex Jones especially would be like the Goldstein on the monitor. And, and in many ways, it was a tribute to the Michael Radford film from.
1: From Which did one? you ever see that from nineteen no.
2: from eighty four? It came out in eighty four. The the movie nineteen eighty four with John, I remember it. With John Hurt, it. yes,
1: I remember it. I f- I might have even seen it. So, um, that the, one one my the famous favorite? scene with the cage with the rat in it and yeah. it's in front of his face. Richard yeah. Burton his last yeah. role. He's yeah.
2: he's great. O'Brien. It's one of my favorite films. Um. So um, yeah, I I don't know. They seem to fit in really well. You know, I was just, I wanted to make a uh, some kind of a you know uh, sledgehammer statement about <laughs> you know uh, the the way things are going, and Alex Jones seemed to fit really perfectly into that.
1: Oh yeah, that's um, the other thing I noticed in Fox. Where it seems like well, we can get into the good and evil thing, but it seems like all the bumbling evil, stupid characters are like misshapenly overweight. <laughs> <laughs> They've got something stuffed down the front of them that makes it even like hard for them to move actually. Right. Yeah. I mean, is that a fair a, statement that the no, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's stuffed that up with come pillows. From? Is that, are those
2: inspired by, by real characters. Well, how is that stuff? Uh, there were meant to be a lot of ob- obese people in the film, but it's very difficult to find you know, if I was doing this film on a large budget and I had the, the money to find genuinely... It, it, that was just the way it was written. There were supposed to be a lot of obese people. I couldn't find actual obese people to fit fill these roles, so... No, that's where what? The, that's where the pillows come I in. I thought, uh, like,
1: three-quarters of the population. Well, that's the irony. <laughs> i got to be careful. You, you go, go everywhere.
2: They're everywhere. You look. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's 90 per, 80% of the population. Uh, but if you put an ad up looking for actors... <laughs> You won't find any. I couldn't. Find, I mean, I was having a really difficult time finding, <laughs> uh, yeah, he- heavy set people. And in the script, it's described as as Fox for actually being overweight in the first part of it, and then when she gets
1: well, she is she, in that first uh, when she yeah. goes and talks on the phone that time. Yeah, that
2: was just yeah, and that was it's funny because that was just test footage with that actress. I ended up using it in the movie because it was an actress I was sort of yeah it was like auditioning, and we were testing lighting out for that scene, but it turned out so well I just I ended up using it and and I never reshot the scene anyway with with the other girl. It was so difficult, you know getting these shooting days and or you know the, the thought of reshooting something was you know I was, I was lucky to get any shooting done you know if, in in a given month um um but um yeah, no, the obese, so, so Fox for, is, is supposed to start off overweight because she doesn't leave her room much and uh, and she's a little crazy and uh, she has this ability to see the dead zone. But so when she's thrown out of her room and she's homeless and she transforms into the Robin Hood character, right. which is a time transition uh, in the in the story, it's supposed to be a time transition of several months, so it takes place several months before December 21st, 2012. Uh, then she loses all the way and she's very thin and petite in that at that point um uh, when she sort of transforms into the robin hood and just, the, the the robin hood outfit comes from when she's on the streets or when she's homeless her clothes are in tattered rags and someone gives her a bag of clothes and it just happens to be a you know some costume materials from a studio and you know so yeah. she, you see she's the arrows
1: <laughs> sticking out of the quiver and then the next thing you see is the next actress walking with those arrows yeah. and then, like, the whole costume. Yeah, that's where it gets confusing because I really wanted to
2: keep her through that whole sequence. Uh, it starts off the first shot of her homeless, and she she's given the Robin Hood and then it, suddenly it's another actress for the next shot. But it was the only way I could complete that sequence. Um, it was either that or it would never it would have never gotten done because I had to move. Fa- it was, like, a short period of time where I had a little bit of money, and I could shoot that one little sequence with the bus and everything,
1: uh, oh yeah, yeah.
2: but the actress was just too busy. She had, she was working full time and, and, um, uh, I had to get two actresses for two days for two nights for that sequence. Cause the one girl, I got one girl for one night and then she didn't want to Oh, the one come that shoots and, the beer yeah, can the one who and then the, the one that's on the bus. And then the one that was on the bus. Yeah. yeah. And she was originally going to do, the girl who shoots the beer can was going to do the whole of I think she, she thought it was too weird and backed out or, or she said she got busy, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, that that happens a lot too. When when you when you uh, yeah when you w- with actors um, if it's not uh, if it's too weird for them or uh, un- they will usually be hesitant to come back.
1: I was gonna. That wasn't Lainey. Did I inter- interrupt interrupt question? question? you took
4: it somewhere outside. stories. There's there's the science fiction aspect, but it, it's really a long mystery, that the narrative is a mystery.
3: And yeah.
4: then it, I was wondering about that the scene with the first fox fur, where she's got dark hair. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm describing a movie not everyone's seen yet, but she's the, the overweight fox fur talking about the dolphin, they were talking about the dolphin attack, but it also seems to establish or hint at some sort of a, a tension-filled relationship
2: with Chris. Who's right. First? Oh, the... the uh, it, hits, it, hits, it hits at some sort of a strong
4: connection between the two of them, which...
2: Yeah. Well, they were they in the... They were in the. In the In the script, they had known each other before, and she was in the behavioral unit. Uh, t- they were both in the behavioral unit together, so they both met each other there, and, and so they, they had that past, um, and... Um,
3: so sort of the human...
2: and she was like she one of she doesn't leave her room much but but um um she calls every now and again when she really has to get somewhere she you know, she doesn't have a car and she doesn't want to walk the streets because she ha, she's um sort of um subject to um she ha, she has this ability to see the dead zone when she's outside which is um which is very painful to her so she'll have chris drive her around in his van um oh that's the, what that was uh, and the dead zone is um is the like physical materialization of the end of the world. Um that only she can see. It's a weird sort of energy. It's like a it's um it's a sentient energy. And um oh, I didn't good. know that how, was another one of my questions. Yeah. That's that 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 part doesn't really get to see I mean there, I tried to you know describe it a little bit with the Bob Lazar scenes and I think yeah. still people are confused by that. But uh Yeah, I mean that's a hard concept to <laughs>
4: What I'm sort of also wondering, I'm not sure how to ask this, but um, I, s- I have sort of had an intimate relationship with one of the fir- early writers and one of the early versions of Foxfur, and when I watch the film, uh, or when I read the orig- I read part of the original script. A lot of the first, the first act of which is the movie, pretty much. I s- in some of the dialogue between Foxfur and Chris, I s- I'm wondering as I'm watching it, was any of this pulled from uh, my previous relationship with that <laughs> <laughs> early writer? I, cause I, or am I just relating to a universal message or, or truth among relationships between two people?
2: You mean the Foxfur character in those opening scenes? You think you, you, throughout you
4: know. I recognize some of the Oh, really? Con- the like like for instance like when when they're in the van and they're arguing and she's just like let me out I'm going to walk home. I uh-huh. I recognize a conversation <laughs> like that.
1: I've had that conversation. Okay, maybe everyone's <laughs> had that
4: conversation. Okay, so the great. Either way, I'm, I recognize, you know, I can totally relate to <laughs> to their
1: what are you, you oh, mentioned like five minutes ago? You said that actors are like, oh well, I don't want to do this. What are the actors' reactions? One when you're doing it, and two when they see the finished product. I guess that ranges all over the. Map. I don't
2: know because you know I rarely hear back. Uh, a couple of the actresses, I mean, don't. Uh, one girl, uh, Cassie. I haven't heard anything from her. I she doesn't seem to even want a DVD. I mean, I don't. She's. I think she's busy doing a play or something now. Uh, but. Um, uh, I shouldn't say anything, but she was very supportive and she uh but um
4: Well the the main actors were at the premiere and they seemed very happy. Oh okay. Oh, not
2: all of them. Uh, there were there were actually only The main Fox fur and, and Paris and Chris was there uh and
4: Bob Ellis.
2: Bob Ellis, yeah. A few a few of the yeah the main. Uh, Chris was there, Paris, And um, Clue
4: Gulager. What? Was there oh, yeah, and Clu, yeah. he watched it from the front row center, he loved it.
2: Really? Well Clue's uh old f- yeah, Clue's yeah he's an old friend i mean he he goes he
1: goes to a lot of stuff uh and, he, and hey, last i heard he was on a show on k x l u which i listen i think he was on music for nimrods once. he was oh. he he's yeah. he
4: was in return of the living dead and oh, and old yeah, TV westerns is. and yeah
1: i know who he is yeah, it's it's one of those well, people's like he's still alive. Does. That's great. Oh yeah, no, yeah, he, he still looks looks great. he's still walks 70 now full,
4: full head of hair, 83.
2: Uh, 83 and he still walks miles a day. He uh, walks d- everywhere he goes. He walks from he lives <laughs> near the New Beverly. He goes to the New Beverly regularly. He's, he's, I want
4: to fix him up with my mother.
2: He always sits in the front <laughs> row. It's going to be sad when you don't see cuz you know, I'm so used to seeing Clue, you know, his head in the front row and you know um but uh yeah, uh, and he walks like from his house all the way to the new art, and uh, I, th- I think to the Egyptian he introduced too.
4: Himself to me. Charming man.
2: Yeah. Um, really, uh, really nice.
4: I I love all the and a, and a very interesting
2: okay. filmmaker himself. If you've ever seen any any of his, he, no. I mean, clue has a very. I never you know imagined because I'd known Clue before I met Clue and saw some of his films that you know he was really this crazy avant kind of really wild crazy avant garde filmmaker. Yeah. and and really talented It really had a a good strong eye a great with you know um, interesting visuals i mean he made a short in the late 60s called a day with the boys uh which is i think the yeah it's the only thing of his that's actually been officially released it played in theaters at the time it came out in 69 criterion put it out with uh with a film called um uh george washington um, but it was a—I think it was an award-winning short. It's really surreal and eerie, and um, and I think he had started off with uh, you know, I mean, he he had a contract with Universal and he was doing a lot of acting roles, but he also had a lot of promise as a director. But I I, I think that he, his vision and his was so unique that you know it just uh, he had a lot of trouble with you know too much trouble working with producers and executives and things mm-hmm. like that uh but he made this he made this other independent film in the late 70s called norma and gene novak which is like a bizar- uh, indescribable, indescribable musical and bank robbery family <laughs> but dysfunctional bank uh family of bank robbers and it's uh it's really dis- disturbing and um yeah indescribable and he um so where can we see that? Yeah. Well they sh- you know uh it's been screened a couple of times and they showed reflections at the Egyptian uh they com- they doubled it up with Clues films. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's very rare. I mean yeah, they- I mean I don't think that that uh, it's never going to come out. I don't think they want it since the films were never completed for one- for one thing. Um they're all incomplete. Norman G Novak and he did another one called Effing Tulsa. Super called what? Fucking
1: Tulsa. It was called. Oh, okay. I um, I may have heard of that actually. It's uh, they he might it have talked about it on that uh, on that interview on uh, the uh, Nimrod show. Oh, oh, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. They were, I, yeah. I don't think they were ever completed. So I don't know. Well, if, if Ever uh, if we'll ever get to see them. Um. Yeah, they've screened a few times. They screened at the New Beverly and the. Yeah, the Fine Arts Theater. So yeah. they
4: have screens. So why can't we see them?
2: They don't want them coming out. They don't want them released. I mean, John they? John Wh- Gullager is they? is in charge of of you know safeguarding the prints and uh, his son. Yeah, yeah.
4: So who doesn't want the family or clue?
2: Yeah, I think everyone. Yeah, because the films are never completed and they're very particular about you know what they want released to the public. Oh, okay. I'm the uh, you know I like releasing for, for
4: everything for Im- sake of image.
1: Um, uh, yeah, just for, for whatever reasons. They... Well, if I haven't finished something and everybody wants to see it, they can't see it because I haven't finished it yet. Yeah. I mean, even if they want it finished. And I, I guess I could understand that. Well, let's see half of what you've done. But that's not what I meant is half of what I've done. You have to see what I actually meant. And if he's not going to finish it, then it's probably his decision, The, the you know, Clue's decision not to release yeah. him. Yeah,
2: sure. Yeah, I mean and you know they've sat I, I don't think they've been seen for many many years uh, up until f- fairly recently where they started screening them again uh see you know norman g novak is 77 or 78 so i don't know you wow. know who knows how many years after he shelved it you know and, uh, but he he
1: was okay with bringing him out in public and showing the partial yeah, yeah. i i guess I, yeah he loosened up
2: uh well after that's so not permanent years, uh, you know
1: you can't it's not something people watch over and over they just got that little glimpse yeah
2: Maybe, yeah, he, th- maybe yeah. you know, maybe I, had I, seen I hope it. at
1: least people would like kick his butt. Like, oh, why do not you finish this? We want to see it. Sage yeah. had shown me. My
2: friend Sage Stallone had shown me the film before I saw it screen. On v- he had a VHS copy. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'd seen I'd seen all of his stuff, and he showed me Day with the Boys and Effing oh, Tulsa, right. and he, I think he was like the only person that had that <laughs> stuff, you know, because <laughs> he's close friends with Clue and and John. Oh, okay.
1: What did he die of recently? Did he get Uh, Probably, I'm
2: I'm guessing, I mean, I'm guessing Vicodin and things he was popping. When when I knew him, he was, was, uh, you know, downing like 20 Vicodins a night.
1: This is is Sylvester Stallone's son we're talking about. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, That's my guess. He probably, my guess is that he quit for a while, because he definitely, I, I know he quit at one point, and he was assuring me he was off of that stuff, and. Uh, I quit. I'm done. You know, and if he started using again, then his tolerance would have been a lot less. And
1: uh, right. Uh, yeah, that happens a lot. Somebody says that's it, and then suddenly they slip, and then that's it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sage was an interesting, interesting, uh, interesting guy. Um, yeah, I don't think his dad knew him very well. Uh, Did he have much contact with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would go. He would every now and again. He would visit him, and uh, that was oh, okay. kind of how I met Sage. Was through like sending all those Reflections of Evil DVDs around, and I sent one to his dad, and uh, he got really upset about it. And, but he watched a little bit of it. And that's
4: you, it, I'm sorry. You, that's how you first gained notoriety was handing out thousands and thousands of copies of your your first big film, Reflections of Evil. Correct.
2: I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess. I don't know notoriety but uh yeah but uh so yeah I say he was just so amused by the fact that his dad uh, watched part of it and he thought that i'd hired tony curtis at the beginning and, oh. he, would, <laughs> and he would imitate his dad it was so funny and he did perfect imitation of that packet guy he did, did the deep voice and everything yeah.
4: netflix he, advertises so. that film as if you really did hire tony curtis among others,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. All the the Janet, uh, re- the uh, release version of the film, yeah, on what's her name? Amazon and yeah, it. <laughs> Janet Lee. It lists yeah. the yeah, Janet. Yeah, it lists uh, Joey Heatherton and Tony Curtis and uh, um, yeah, the some, the actors who were in the ABC promos at the beginning. It lists them as the stars. <laughs> um, George Hamilton. Uh, yeah, look up the <laughs> just look it up on Amazon. Yeah, they you, never corrected. it. I never wanted to, the, you, them to correct it. So.
4: You love. Uh, TV of the seventies and eighties and trailers and credits and that I, I love your how your reverence for all that comes across in your films including Foxfur you really the credits are almost another star of the movie mm-hmm. everywhere yeah. that there's credits yeah where'd you get the plus star you Wars give font? you give full bill I noticed to cast and crew the Star Wars Bef- font
2: yeah that was actually the in television font oh. for Foxfur or in television. You know from the game console from
1: late seventies. Oh, right. <laughs> um, yeah, every single person, in the, including I think the cats, got. Uh, yeah,
4: you give uh, full ca- credit to cast and crew prior to the to the film really getting going. After, of course, the teaser part, which is
2: yeah, yeah,
4: that's another element. But um, but that's like they did in the old movies. Everybody got the credits first.
2: Hmm. <laughs> No, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I like
4: and the music you know, too. It's all, it's. I think
2: a credit sequence can be a little, you know, a creative little movie in itself. It's it's usually neglected. You know, they, they the director doesn't think about. It. They just throw basic credits in there and uh, in the way other things are, are usually, you know, things like music, uh, music. I'm very particular about music, and, and you're often, you know, if you're making a, a movie that's going to be released it's you know you've got a budget and a schedule and you're basically stuck with whatever composer you end up hiring and uh on a low budget production um it's actually it's it's not too common you get a really great score and in all honesty i mean i'm very picky about music uh, and everyone who works on a movie they they um when you're close to something creatively you're not really seeing it clearly um, and you you, f- you fall in love with everything you know, performances and 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 of course the, the the composer is great and everything is great and you have to you, you there's no other way you can't like you get a mediocre score you can't like turn around after the get you know, after your, your your best friend just worked you know and say, you know that's not a very good score you know it's pretty terrible <laughs> but we got to use it anyways <laughs> your, your so, music creates a really un-
4: unexpected tone
2: but the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it's rare to get good music in a low-budget film it's extremely Extremely rare. Um Was this written for
1: Foxfur or was it from it was it appropriated from somewhere?
2: What do you what 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 do you mean?
1: The music in the film. be it tangerine dream oh, yeah, or silvestri. It's all, well
2: it's all scores. Yeah, it's tangerine it's scores from Firestarter and Wavelength and oh, okay, okay. the keep and things right. like that, you know.
1: Yeah, you mentioned a little bit of it at the beginning. But uh
2: yeah, I can't I can't stress how <sighs> um the issue of music and how hard it is and how rare it is to get a good score regardless of what you know what you're doing even if you're doing a big budget film i mean there aren't you know most of the scores out there are just are not very good um even you know regardless of how much money you have or how, what kind of a list composers you have your choice of uh, and there aren't any jerry goldsmiths around um, there are a lot of new composers who are, who are really trying their best and they're they're doing a good job um and they 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 love and admire and are inspired by all the, the great composers of the past, but um, it's not it's not quite the same. And and you know the whole market niche thing has taken over so much now. Scores have lost a lot of a lot of the kind of um, orchestral identity, melodic identity that they once had. Now you have everything is kind of like a Hans Zimmer score or something. <laughs> well, uh, oddly enough, though, I like a lot of Hans Zimmer's. <laughs> you know, you point to him as like. Uh, um, Something that you know, like uh, you know, studios want now for everything. But but, some of his stuff is actually really good, though. Um, <laughs> um,
1: the, but, only, yeah, the only thing a, I can think of is, is all the the music for what was it? He did this the all those TV shows in the seventies. He did like what did he do? Zimmer? I thought that, that I thought he did a bunch of TV stuff.
2: Mm, I. Hmm. No, I don't think... You might okay, be thinking I, of somebody else. You I might think am thinking, thinking of somebody
1: else. Like Miami Vice, who did all the music for that. That... Uh, well, then I'm wrong. Never mind.
2: Alan Silvestri started doing a lot of television work in the 70s. Right. Um, composers like Dave Grusin and people like that, they were mostly doing television.
4: I've I've got a guy I'll try to connect you with. He, he actually composed music for Rockford Files and Columbo, and uh, <laughs> that Dick Van Dyke uh, show.
3: Uh
2: huh. Yeah, Billy Goldenberg. Uh, he was another TV composer. He did the Colum- a lot of did the Columbo theme and a lot of Columbo episodes. And uh, but uh, yeah. So music, it's it's hard to get. To get a good score and um, I think almost impossible when you're doing a an ultra low budget film you don't have much money or any money for yeah. but you an original you know, score. Your,
4: your real specialty is editing and you and you make it seem you make it feel like a million dollar budget by your editing techniques and all the bells and whistles that you throw in all the great special effects and that the great musical score talk about the special effects some Uh, It's just a really fun ride. Mm. A lot of action.
2: Well, which uh, effects in particular?
4: How about... Oh, I just... uh, The original
1: effects? Well, the first ten minutes where everything has the crackling and the lights and the... You've
4: got the the black slime on the screen and you've got the... the In the sky. The the, the beer can scene is really fun and the spaceship, everything just... It's like... Action! 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 It never lets up.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was, try- I was trying to do as as much as I could for for no money. I, obviously, I, that was one area of the film I think could have delivered a lot more. You know, that's one, one area where you really feel um, the limitations of having no money. Is when you're trying to do an action scene, you have you have fights or chases, uh, things that need effects so that takes time and money and rehearsal and and um, you know. um Staging and uh, and that's usually where the film really feels like it falls short. Uh, I think definitely Foxford falls short on delivering that, the action and the effects.
1: Well I think it's cut around well enough that it, it totally makes sense, and it, it's not like it's trying to do too much or it's like oh well we could have done more. No, it seems like it is what it is rather than we couldn't or we're trying to do you know we're trying to be this way. It's not trying to be anything least that's what I thought of it what did what what happened at the premiere what did uh, did you was it uh, mostly friends or who was there how many people were there what did they you no, know there were
4: 150 what, people there he's got there are a lot of fans yeah Damon's got a huge
1: following did you have like Q&A after what did people mm-hmm. ask uh, anything different than what I've said that's what I know mean.
4: <laughs> they did a 40 minute Q&A what between, did they ask? between yeah. films and um, Uh. <laughs> We've covered a lot. Where did it
2: all
1: start? You know, how did you... Uh... It um, looks like it was done fairly quickly. At least yeah. a lot of it looks like it was done fairly recently. Yeah. Uh, except for the Bodhi Tree stuff, which obviously was done at least a year ago. Yeah, it was almost
2: two years ago, actually. Okay. God. It was the, the shooting was spread out over uh, all, just about two years now. since, But it was spread out meaning... You know, very short days, four-hour days or something. You know, we'd have these very short days, and maybe one day every other month or something like that. And sometimes many months would go by with nothing done, and then I'd get, like, another short day here and there. Um, It just depended on the money situation. There was a period for a couple months where I had a little bit of extra money um and um so i was rushing to get as much as i could done before i went broke and so there were there were a few more days of shooting in a particular month and it just had to do with the money situation really and and then uh scheduling you know trying to uh, hope uh, you can get everyone together and, you know, that that would go on. The delay uh, syndrome with that would, would Yeah, you talked things. about
4: always needing to have two backup plans, which I think is great because a lot of directors would just give up maybe or or be really frustrated with things not going as planned. And, and just knowing that nothing is ever going to go as planned, I think, is part of being a good director mm-hmm. to have to deal with, just flying by the seat of your pants. And, uh, like, I... There were a lot of cats in the movie, <laughs> and uh yeah. you know i i i've offer, I offered my assistance a lot working with you know i I could have provided a lot of different animals that had been sort of trained and things, but we always had a problem with transportation but neither of us have a car yeah, and like that always got in the way, but you know I mean,
2: not by choice things that things got
4: <laughs> i think really well pulled together Simply. and pretty fast and you know and um, the great premiere yeah, the cats, at the Egyptian. A lot of. I'm just, glad I got
2: a lot of cats in there. That 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 came. You know, a lot of that came after a lot of the initial stuff was shot. You know, the inserts because you. you there, it's it's um, it's fun how you can keep building on something with inserts and pickups. You can ideas that you come up with later to add on to a scene. You can invent whole new scenes that go in different directions. Just pickups and inserts. Um, so the cats and yeah, like
4: it's really funny. People like on the
2: streets, the texters, and things like that. Yeah, well, that was like, never planned from the start. Uh,
4: <laughs> like when they're when they're in the van and they, there's these cutaways to a cat meowing and Chris is sort of looking around while he's driving, like where's that sound coming from? <laughs> but that, <laughs> Dave was saying, those are all like inserts that were put in later. You couldn't, you wouldn't have known that. No, Wa- no, watching it looks like the cat is sort of under a blanket in the back of the van. Yeah,
1: I kept looking trying to see where the cat was in the <laughs> it's back.
4: It's just
1: funny. <laughs> <laughs> looking yeah, at no, the bottom of the screen, I wasn't even
2: thinking of that when we were shooting it. No, it, it came afterwards.
4: And the the texts are just that's funny too. Like they're, it, they're almost like zombies. They look like the way they're walking sometimes. It's people like, walking it's like across
1: a, in front of cars, looking like, at texting literally people. Literally zombies. They, yeah, they have to like every, people that are driving have to swerve around all of them.
4: It's like a cartoon of real life, yeah. but it's so true. And then now, I was d- only
2: going to shoot just people walking along. Uh, you know, when we shot that, I thought it would be funnier if it looked like they were walking down the middle of the road and they are almost about to get run over in every case. Uh, That's what and, it looks and like. Then, uh, and then
4: you don't even need to see the impact of someone actually getting run over. You you just hear sort of a thudump, and you know they know they've they've, you know, hit somebody and kept going. Yeah. But you don't need to see it. So that... Save some money right there.
1: i got to flatter some of my listeners and ask them, what, what's the what's the fascination with Ike and Hoagland and Bob Lazar and all that, and why are there characters in your film? Films, actually, because uh, uh, Alex Jones was in the one before. Yeah. As a character. He wasn't actually in the film.
2: I don't know. I, I, a lot of my films, are, uh, are, are you, I like to incorporate real life characters. Oh like your the situation
4: um, with the landlord and the you know which is a nice little horror scene where she gets stabbed.
2: I mean composite characters from from real life uh as opposed to fictitious characters or characters inspired by someone in real I could have easily just called David Icke or Richard Hoagland something else and changed the, you know no one but no I like using the actual people, you know. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah I don't know it's it's, uh, it's more interesting that way and a lot of movies avoid that maybe because of legal reasons or what have you um, so you can get away with these things in independent films you can get away with real names locations anything anything you want to do that that, that you have to play by so many rules and you're doing stuff that's uh, for release or with, the, with the budget unless you have so much money you can get clearance and yeah um, but then I, just, I still don't know there's still things that you couldn't do Um but I think though, in the case of uh of something like this, if it falls under satire you could it's it's uh it's free uh it's free reign. i think it's under fair use yeah
4: it's 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 well you that really comes across as well done that way too where you can just drop in the Hoagland or the Ike into present day mayhem and people who don't care and, and don't understand they don't need to be. Their characters don't need to be expanded. They can be dropped in as who they are, and, and it, I guess, it creates yeah. drama. For just me Dropping it. them into people who don't care and yeah. like knock over this Ike in a wheelchair and kick him.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, but I'm watching that, and if people don't know who these people are, they just seem like crazy conspiracy people. Mm-hmm. That's it. Do you, Do you even care if anybody's backgrounded on them? Probably not. Uh, you mean if it's not explained who they yeah. are in the movie uh, 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 you, you, I know who these people are yeah. everybody listening to my no, show knows who these people are but. But the, I like
2: things being esoteric if if someone doesn't know the background of the, the Billy Myers story the Pleiadians, Semyasi, all these, these obscure references yeah. um, you know I like that uh, maybe they can you know if they're curious about them they'll look them up right. and do some research yeah <laughs> Um,
4: you can you can still you can you can get it on different levels, and y- you don't have to know. Y- you sort of know, I mean, people know coast to coast, am and, and pe- Yeah, I mean, you don't really have to know who they are to know. Well, who they are.
1: D- yeah, because if somebody's going to be attracted to the film in the first place, they probably have an inkling of what the hell these That's people are too. and what's going on, and um, would be attracted that way. But
4: I think it appeals to a wider audience. I don't think you really have to have any background to yeah. enjoy it. People love UFO stories and
2: mysteries. Did you ever read the uh, the the, the uh, Message from the Pleiades, uh, any of those books, the contact notes? Eh? No. Like some of the
1: dialogue was... I used it. to have that nice big picture book. Oh, yeah, the coffee table book that um, yeah, The Elders... I, yeah, I, I sold it on eBay without reading very much of it.
2: Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, some great photographs. did I looked
1: at the photographs and thought, well, these are very pretty pictures. I mean, they're, I don't think they have anything to do with people coming from their planets, but they're beautiful pictures. He
2: did a, yeah, he did a, a great job, and I sort of uh, referenced that with the Semyasi scene about his artistic um, when she says uh, only his creative representation of it when she's talking about how Billy Meyer really did have con- uh, communication with us, and he did photograph our ships, but not. that's not what people ended up getting a hold of <laughs> in, in the, uh, into the public
1: um, his fake UFO pictures were the best best E fake UFO yeah. pictures. I think. Lot, you look at the stuff from the fifties, and it's kind of laughable, and yeah, you know, the Georgia Damski stuff is kind of laughable, and and it's it, it's silly and weird and all that. But the, you know, Billy especially Mario, like his yeah. his uh, his uh, art direction was a lot better. Yeah, and the designs of the uh, the except for
2: uh, a, a couple of them, like the wedding cake ship, uh, yeah. which came later, that was really bad. Um, that's. And the films <laughs> so aren't that don't look that. that good. I like the I one... Th- the that films are yeah that, that they're very revealing in a lot of ways. The weight and the scale of the ships and the way they're bo- they're bobbling. If you look at them closely, you can see it looks like something bobbling on a
1: wire. Uh, yeah. Um, I remember the one where there's like this huge thing hanging over a highway, and the ca- cars aren't going doing anything. Nobody else sees it.
2: Yeah, he, he <laughs> explains that like I think yeah, well they some- couldn't
1: see it because it was cloaked from their point of view or something like yeah.
2: That. Something like that, um, but yeah, but that's not to discount that you know.
1: Well, like like I've said on this show before, silly or stupid doesn't or or unbelievable doesn't mean unimportant.
2: Not or or me it anyway. doesn't mean that. should Maybe some of it was was uh, you know even possibly even genuine. Uh, maybe maybe uh, real UFOs look exactly like models on wires. You know? <laughs> maybe that's just the way the uh, anti-grav propulsion works.
1: Was you know um what better way to fool these silly earthlings yeah. than to make it look yeah
2: who was it that uh one of I think in the documentary they were talking about how um and Bob Lazar talks about this a little too, but the way the propulsion works and it uses the earth's gravity for uh for the uh, the antigrav the the gravity yeah. a and all that, and the way and the, the ships always look a little funny, they look kind of like they're bobbling around because they're riding the earth's uh, unstable atmosphere or something. Um, and it, it operates kind of in the same way like a Levitron does. A Levitron sort of bobs up and down a little bit. and, and they, yeah, they, they made that point in the, uh, I think, in the, well, some documentary I saw made the point or the, the Levitron and the movement of some of the, the Meyer ships had that same bouncing quality. And I, I thought that was interesting. I was going to put that in the movie, actually. I was going to have a Levitron and the Bodhi tree and ah. um
1: people got mad at me for a while cuz i was posting all those a couple years ago all those uh f- uh videos of like uh, what was it like big ships flying over like Haiti and there was like a, a flood of these um CGI UFO uh-huh. movie you know uh, short films where people saying wow look what we saw on our vacation and whatever uh-huh. and um after a while, people started saying, "Why do you post this crap? Why do you? I say because it's pretty and I think they did a good job?" That's well, that why. Was that the one
2: where the, somebody had the remote control models that were flying right over the camera and it looked pretty good? It was like came really close. There were our, they were remote control models i haven 't uh, seen
1: that one. I was talking about the completely c g i ones uh-huh. where you know and, and people people would see them it 's like for one, these look like something came on, coming out of a movie, and for another people looked at them and they look there 's like repeated elements where you can see that things have been cut and pasted in the picture and mm-hmm. But the thing was they were very well done and looked good. and I think a lot of these people were trying to get uh, work with these things by getting some controversy up for them. And I would repost them because I just liked the way they looked. I didn't see the remote control model ones, though. I thought
2: that was the Haiti, the one on YouTube. It was originally called, like, uh, it's been reposted many times under different yeah. titles, but it was originally called, like, UFOs over Haiti or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's a popular but, one, though. Yeah, the
1: other one was the people in the um, uh, helicopter in New York, and the thing comes out from behind, like, a skyscraper. Oh, uh. Kind of peeks out, and then suddenly it like oh, flies right I by that. the
2: helicopter. Oh no, no, no! I saw that one. There's a, the Mexico footage too of the ship behind the building.
1: Yeah, um, that one too. I, I don't know what to make a lot of that Mexico footage. I think a lot of it is probably some unknown thing, and yeah. some of it's fake. And I think there it's, was something very strange going on in Mexico for a while. Don't know mm-hmm. what it is. I don't know if it's aliens from another planet or what, but something that people <laughs> saw in the sky that were unexplained. Some of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, the most convincing ones, I think, for me, are like the ones where you just see dots, you know, like way in the distance going behind a mountain or something, like a fleet of uh, of little lights, you know. like You can clearly see that. Did There's you see the, of...
1: the one that was supposedly shot out of a hotel room window? It's the only one that's ever impressed me. Out of a hotel room window in Las Vegas, and it's pointed at Nellis Air Force Base. And you see these lights, and they're doing that UFO falling leaf motion. And then they kind of... Go back up in the air, and then they do this again. And then and they go behind the mountain, they go in front of it, and it, it's very well, it's a fake, it's very well done. And uh-huh. it came out in the 80s, before there was widely available CGI for people. Either early 90s right. or late 80s.
2: Oh, yeah. No, but, but it sounds like there's a lot of similar footage like that, where you see these fleets of like... Um all you can make out are the lights going behind yeah. a mountain, or flying in formation, or yeah. someone points the camera at like a canyon, mountain, or something, and they, they, they look pretty genuine. Yeah, uh, the less
1: impressive it is, the more genuine it probably <laughs> is. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, that's the, well, that's the weird thing. I mean, how could you ever? There's no way you could if you've shot close-up, clear, crystal clear footage of. of real f- UFOs, I mean, no one would ever believe it.
1: Yeah, at this point. Yeah. No no photos or videos of UFOs are any good anymore. I, I got yeah. some Except th- the really bad stuff that you can't tell yeah. what it is.
4: I got some beautiful photos of chemtrails uh, up on Angeles Crest.
1: How do you know they're... Were they contrails or chemtrails?
4: Uh, I don't know. It's like you were just saying.
1: Well, chemtrails are still... How would
4: anyone know? But it was a clear blue sky prevalent. and it's what they look like.
1: Yeah, well, you still see chemtrails regularly, I think. Well, they're contrails to me until you see the thing where there's like a huge crisscrossing of the sky and weird patterns and all that, which we never used to see. But yeah, you tend to see them more in the winter when it's cold and you get the the you know yeah. condensation actually shows up a lot easier at uh, lower altitudes because it's just cold out. So I haven't I'm,
2: been paying attention much in recent months or years, really. But the, I, there used to be a lot of spraying going on, it seems like, in the early 2000s. And when I was in England, the, the skies were heavily
1: crisscrossed. Everywhere I was looking, they were just heavy
2: crisscrossing.
1: It would be interesting to see where, like, well, I've got aeronautical charts. just interesting to see where planes go and how that matches up with the, what people say are chemtrails. Well, well, that's just what they want you to think. They would use the regulator. <laughs> I yeah. don't know.
2: Well, no, I, def- I think, I mean, chemtrails are completely, I mean, they're they're definitely real. It's been going on for so long, and it's so blatant in some cases. I mean, I know I was looking at so much spraying going on over a certain period. It seemed like it was early 2000s. And spraying of around. what? Spr- I, rem-
1: I remember this, but...
2: I well, you know, I mean, the like, you, you've if you've listened to the shows by Will Thomas or the people who have investigated and researched the the, the spring and we, you know, they've gone up in planes and taken samples. The, um, what do they find? They found like barium and things like that. Barium, I think, is the most prominent chemical with a lot of like um, biological chemical type stuff, uh, cobalt and weird stuff like that um, in the samples. So yeah, I don't know. I, well, you know, and then there's some people think it's weather modification, or it's it's something connected with harp, to uh, mm-hmm. putting uh, aluminum particles in the atmosphere, something like that. That so That's how that I harp see. works better with it, or something.
1: So. Yeah, but it, who knows? It, that seems more feasible to me because a lot of people used to say, "Oh well, they're trying to kill off large amounts of people. Why would they be doing that? You screw up the economy." You need those people to drive the economic engine, you know. For for uh, better or worse, I think whoever is controlling a lot of the money needs people around it, <laughs> produce shit and buy shit. Yeah, you know. So why kill them off, or make them sick or whatever? You know, if people are sick, they can't work and they can't, you know, they can't uh, feed that monster.
2: Yeah. Do you think it's dumbing? It's contributing to the dumbing down, maybe. Chemtrails. I mean, I mean, it doesn't I don't know. I think there's people so can dumb things. themselves down yeah. with with
1: no help whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> certainly. It's, uh, yeah. it's it's yeah. If you want to dumb people down, I think the, the you know putting up stupid news stories that don't mean shit that seem to be real yeah, important it's, it's or information
4: you know. control. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's just there's no real news on TV. It's entertainment. Yeah, and there's no newspapers.
1: Yeah, somebody presented to me the uh, bank fraud covered up by the Colorado thing uh, theory a couple of days ago, and so I'm sort of looking at that. Huh. Uh, there was a large uh, bank fraud scandal that was just about to break that was on the news like a day or two before the Aurora shooting thing, and s- people were trying oh, really? to convince me that, it, that that was an engineered thing to take people's attention away from uh-huh. the, the bank fraud scandal. What was it called? It was called. Um, they, they, it was an acronym for these bankers in uh, LIBOR. L I B O R. I can't remember what the acronym was for. It's probably like half the listeners are yeah. going. Ah! They know what it yeah. is already. Oh, it's but, a
4: big deal right now.
1: Yeah, it was uh, had to do with um, fixing of uh, interest rates, huh? And how that contributed to the uh, worldwide economic depression. Yeah,
4: the European economy, and now that's affected China.
1: Yeah. So they they were trying to bring charges against these bankers or whoever it was that controlled the apparently a lot of the worldwide uh, interest rates of interest between ba- of banks bank interbank loans. Huh. And, now and how did the shooting relate to that? Well, you, that's all you heard about. For oh, like they were just diverting week. the yeah. uh, oh, yeah, diverting yeah. the attention to. It. Yeah,
4: and and, uh, and this was was allowed to happen because they were allowing. Uh, investment or they're allowing banks to to do uh, you know have both um, uh, you know regular banking stuff and investment. They they were investing with their depositors' money and then losing the money. So now they're trying yeah. to separate that well, they, again. Yeah. Like Citibank just yeah. announced the, the well, guy banks. the guy that was the big proponent of of big. You know, bank ownership of everything now wants to break it up into little, little companies again.
1: Yeah, sounds like you got I d- scared. I don't know
4: any of the terminology for any well, of that. Ba- but I, that's I know what banks do with happening. your money. I know the they they invest them.
1: They they take your money that the, everybody's put into the bank, and they put them in investments that hopefully will make more money.
4: Right, and then they they didn't. So now they're trying to separate that, but also just everything small. <laughs> yeah, that's but, the again, idea anyway. of the big corporations, right, break them up again.
1: Oh, I I have a like totally left field question. When I was watching uh, Foxfur, I thought of the film Enter the Void. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I liked it. Uh, it was it's interesting. I wasn't crazy about it. Uh, it was I wasn't crazy, crazy about
1: movie. it either, but I thought it was like left field linear narrative that I hadn't seen. Well, it's not really. It isn't. What the way it's the visual presentation of it is what's different. I think. Mm-hmm. I can't. It was a French director, right? Or yeah, uh,
2: g- Gaspar Noe. Yeah.
1: Irreversible. Did you ever see that? No, I've yes. heard about it. That's yeah. A,
2: that's a that's a r- brutal uh, brutal film. Yes. What's it called? Uh, Irreversible. Is that Irreversible? the one? Was it? shown in uh, the story unfolds in reverse. Uh, but there's a lot of like g- hardcore
1: violence in it. And, is that the one with the with the rape in the subway yeah. tunnel yeah. thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did see that. I saw it in the theater when it came out. Mm. Okay, so I have seen it. Yeah, it was one of the. It, it, it you know usually people treat that that film treated violence in a way that you might experience it in all its terrible, horrible, what it's like for somebody going through that instead of just a camera watching it. That's what made it almost. That's what made it unbearable for a lot of people, and I thought that was a, I thought that was great. Mm you know get people uncomfortable uh, they have to be because uh, if, uh, that's you know enter the void and that and that uh, his other film uh, they basically i think what they're doing was resensitizing people mm-hmm. to all these things that the, they've been desensitized to or at least attempting to which means mm-hmm. not many people will watch them yeah I- Yeah, but I I thought there was, there were, for some reason I was reminded that, you know, about halfway through I was, for some reason I started flashing on some of the Enter the Void stuff. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and just in the different way it presented, you know, whatever narrative he had. It is a narrative story, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of, uh, if there's anything else. I'm sure there's something else that was similar to it. I think well, there's
4: some there's some stereotyping going on in Fox fur. How do you mean? Uh the the the, the, the cholo there? character oh. <laughs> from the, you know, the the guy in the hardware store that that's just won't help the customer and just That's just stereotypical in, of crappy in uh, the screw section well, that's that everywhere, says yeah. we don't yeah. have it.
1: Yeah. That's we don't have uh, uh,
2: I was gonna have a lot more b- of that in the film too I was going <laughs> you know have like a wide variety of characters, because it's, it's everywhere you go i mean the guys that a,
4: take over the bodhi tree and don't care about anything have no have have no uh reverence for books or anything
2: yeah that goes back i mean i i I had this idea years ago about doing a a film set in the future where where um baggy uh with uh, uh, skinhead cholos with baggy pants have sort of taken over. Most of the population, it just somehow ended up like that, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so I, was, I was trying to work that into to for somehow. That, that that didn't come across because I couldn't find the right people. You know, they weren't baggy. Pa- yeah, I was I was looking for the baggy pants and the skinhead, the the really uh, sort of the, the dopey ones, you know. Like, but um, uh, but yeah, that's what I was I was going for i not trying to stereotype or m- anything
1: like that. Yeah. That, well, the, the thing is that people will latch on to something, I think, and put their Car- own meaning Caricature, on it.
4: Caricature, I mean, not stereotype.
1: Yeah. People will latch on to something and put their own meaning on it and then say, this is what that was. Why did you do that? And you're like, what? What are, what are you talking about? Yeah.
2: Yeah. One thing I uh, just, on a side um, thought no relation to what we're talking about uh, that kind of bothers me a little bit about a lot of the films I've made is where I've used found footage or other incorporated other footage into Space Disco. There's there's quite a bit of it and in, and in, in almost everything in mean, Reflections, but the bulk of it is still original footage. And when people see five minutes of found footage in a in a a ninety minute film that. That is eighty minutes of original footage. Or Eighty-five minutes. Of, uh, they see five minutes of found footage. Then it's suddenly it's a mashup. The whole thing's mostly found footage, and that's the way it's described in a lot of reviews and things. Oh yeah, this guy he just combines other footage and he makes movies, he makes mashups. And, and I don't like mashups at all. I don't. I wouldn't be using any found footage. It depends on the. I've done a lot of it, and it depends on on the project i mean star wars mockumentary was wraparound footage uh, you probably haven't seen that one no um it was necessary for space disco and other things like lost in the thinking um but um i would be shooting original movie it, it just it takes a lot of money uh to shoot original footage. certainly the kind of ideas that i'm interested uh can't explore with on a, on a no budget scale yeah um. But I don't. know, That kind of bothers. I think I'm pretty much done with any kind of uh, found footage. Uh, in anything at this point, too. Boy, any kind it, of mashup. Type they're comparing stuff.
1: You to Craig Baldwin or something. Or just <laughs> yeah. Some some do. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, just, I don't. see that connection. But I've only no, seen.
2: Yeah, there really isn't one. Well, I mean, some. Yeah. Th- that's usually often mentioned in in just in a, in a brief review or a general description that. That I always combine found footage, or I'm a filmmaker that you know is, mostly uses found footage, or um, which I don't think is the case. Those, and I don't like to use. Those sort of true
4: for skate bang, right? It was well, like half yeah.
2: And half. Uh, that was half and half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was given. You know, I had to come up. I mean, that was something that was designed to be that way because. Uh, um, because uh, the f- I didn't have much to work with. With that it was an editing it's
4: project. H- it's it's hilarious. You can you can find that on his YouTube channel page.
1: Okay, that's what is your YouTube that's channel? Page? Really,
4: it shows his editing skills.
1: Yeah. Are you? What's your name on your YouTube channel page so people can look?
2: It's if you just Google my name, you'll find it. The actual the the channel name is Pookie Sixty Seven.
1: Oh, Okay. Um. Google Damon Packard. Yeah. If you find. Pookie sixty seven. You'll find everything. Uh, uh, do, everything
2: you ha- up do you have there. a website too, or is that the I best do? To find you? Yeah, uh, yeah. Everything's up on the website too. But the website URL, it's on a Wix page, and I can't. It's very complicated. I think if they just Google my name and Wix, W i x, they'll come upon the website. I used to have a an actual website for Reflections of Evil, Reflections of Evil dot com. I never switched domains, and the domain I was using was too expensive, and then all the elements got lost and. Oh. I'm not much of a web designer, so I didn't bother, you know, keeping it going.
1: Yeah, no. um, but uh, yeah, I think we tried to get into the fascination with the paranormal stuff and the UFO stuff and the conspiracy. Why? Why does it interest you? I mean, I I think I know why it interests me, um, just because I'm. I don't like when things are. Regimented, and I've got a basic, you know, distrust of uh, authority, I guess. And yeah. the, these things kind of just jump up and say, you're wrong, you know, constantly.
2: Sure. Well, same reasons, I yeah. think. I mean, I've been interested in my whole life, pretty much. Uh, was, really? How did it start
1: just, out? I used to go to the library and just read all the same, paranormal books. Same
2: here, yeah. Yeah, no, same when I was a kid. I would read, uh, you know, paranormal books. I was obsessed, you know, when I was very young... I. I was obsessed for some reason with demonic possession. Like I would read, bu- I read books about d- demon possession. I was, for some reason that fascinated me. Um, there was a book I, re- I remember reading called the Ouija. Is it the Ouija board? No, Hostage to the Devil, and the Ouija board, which was which was the inspiration for the movie The Exorcist. there was a detailed case of the
1: that William Blatty took from in the forties. Um, yes, I know. I have a recording of it. Oh, really? Uh, well, I've, it wasn't in the 40s. It part part of the inspiration was this... Oh, God, what was her name? There's a, there's a girl that's... A German girl that said she was possessed uh, by the devil, and there was a bunch of priests came over and tried to uh, exorcise the demons out, and... Um, she died, I think, from the stress of the whatever was going on, and the church investigated and decided that it wasn't real possession, and that mm-hmm. they held the priest and the parents responsible for being negligent, and it just turned very uh, um, non. It was more like a uh, uh, mental, you know, ment- uh, uh, mental illness rather than yeah. some sort of demon possession, which I think it probably is in just
2: every case. I don't know why I was I don't find it at all interesting now, demonic possession. It's but uh when I was a kid, and I was a little. Maybe it was just the the exorcist,
1: the movie. I was I loved that film so much. Maybe that was why, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find the recording here. I think I might have it. Is it uh, Oh, I don't have it on here. I have a um a whole like 3 CD set called Okulte Stimmen. Which is paranormal voices, uh-huh. and it's basically three D- CDs worth of recordings of possessions, um, uh, EVP, uh, seances, uh-huh. um, uh, ghost voices, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's uh-huh. like a lot of it's in German though. <laughs> the,
4: the The Exorcist was probably the scariest movie I ever saw when I was a kid. Like I, I, I couldn't watch it by myself.
2: <laughs> and it's scary because uh, it, Friedkin didn't have any... He wasn't trying to make a scary horror movie. He was just trying to make a very realistic movie based on that case, which is a real case. and um, Or an amalgamation I, I of a few he, cases. Yeah, or, yeah, inspired by... I mean, it was a great book for... for I read the book, too. It was Do you a, think
4: he could get um, away with making a movie like that today with a, a little girl that's... Some of the things that she said...
2: Yeah, well, no. I mean, you could get away with a lot of
1: things in the 70s that, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Definitely. things were... It was a far
4: more progressive
1: time, really, in cinema. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Annalise M- Michael, Michelle.
2: Oh, that was uh, that movie, um, <laughs> the, um, the, the, well, the... Well, that... Um, what was that other film? The, 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 the Possession?
1: That's her voice. Oh, that's the real voice? Yeah. Or the supposed... Well, I understand shies.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, it was called the possession of Emily. Yeah, the <laughs> possession
2: of Emily. That was based on this case, right? Yeah. Or inspired by? It. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the girl's name was Annalise. And yeah.
0: I actually thought that film
2: had some some potential. It- okay, well, we'll turn her down. There were a few minor things I liked about that film, but overall, it wasn't very good. The possession was that was it called The Possession of Emily,
1: I think so. I'm did you not even sure. No, I've never seen it. What I don't think score, I've ever seen all of The Exorcist for that matter. Oh, really? Yeah, huh. I've seen bits and parts of it uh, when they, when it's when I've accidentally wow. encountered she's, she's it. That's on scary. TV. Wow, you right?
4: couldn't make it all the way through.
1: Really? Yeah, maybe that's well, it. it. Why? Why did you not? <laughs> see, yeah, I mean, it,
2: how is it that you've not seen the whole? film, The Exorcist. I just
1: never made an effort to see the whole thing. I mean, it was... was huh. oh, that's extraordinary. That's like not <laughs> someone not seeing Star Wars or something. Well, it, it is to you. I just stop watching. <laughs> you know, you work in post-production. I see so many movies, i kind of sick of seeing them now, <laughs> almost. <laughs> you know, so it's like if I, I, I've seen probably you, thousands of movies, but I've never seen that. Anyway, yeah, but, I, um, I no, I did. I remember when the movie came out, so and you all were, the spinoffs from it and all the hype around it. But I never actually saw it. Wow! I remember the commercial scared me. I also remember the commercial for the Amity, Amityville Horror scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I'd have to turn off the TV and go like someplace <laughs> where it was all lit, you know. So it—that's <laughs> what life was like for me. No, I have not seen all of The Exorcist. No, that was a great book. The Amityville. That movie wasn't uh, wasn't very good. Then it turns out I guess that it most most if not all of it was hoaxed at least the Amityville stuff. Yeah. Um still a good Jay and interesting Anson, story. Who wrote that uh
2: directed and wrote a lot of the behind the scenes featurettes in the 60s and 70s. He was a he was a creative um featurette filmmaker.
1: Yeah. Um but uh yeah. I was going to... Uh, we've got uh, about eight minutes left. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it went very quickly. Are people are going to call in. Oh, I uh, I wanted to say
2: hi to Boo, my friend's dog, Boo. <laughs> and um, and also mention, uh Doug Dunning. I wanted to mention... Uh, <laughs> do you know what Doug Dunning is, by no, any chance? No. Um, he's uh, quite a character. He's a homeless thespian who thinks he's British. He's really not he's from New York and he's a, um, he's this c- kind of crazy character who's been banned from some theaters and <laughs> I, i've been helping out on a documentary about Doug dunning. my friend Steve um, wanted me to mention that, but uh, he's such an interesting it should be a very interesting documentary i uh, I just a lot of people know about doug because he's 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 if you ever go to the New Beverly or the new art or you know you've been going to the cinematique for years you know he's there all the time he's always hovering around celebrities and <laughs> and uh every q a you know he's hovering around you know, any any sign of celebrities anywhere he sounds like um, a far
1: less annoying version of dennis woodruff uh yeah
2: um yeah i mean well kind of in the i don't know if you put them in, in the same category but no, maybe not he's yeah, just, I mean, he's a he's an actor, and he's been in a few things, but um, he has this dignified, he looks like Jack Palance, and he has this dignified presence, he has this deep voice, <laughs> I'm Doug Dunning, and, 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 and <laughs> he uh, is, he knows everything, and he is very knowledgeable about movies, but he's just, he's just quite a character. Oh, that's not the way it is. I mean, he's just a fascinating <laughs> guy, you know. Um, yeah wanted to mention.
1: All right.
4: Hey, do we have time for a phone call?
2: Yeah, any phone calls? Uh, what time
1: is it. Well, we've got 6 minutes for a phone calls. Anybody want to call into 213 252 Well, if they do, you've got you got a couple of minutes to ask uh ask a question to Damon here. Um usually I don't even think of it usually because I usually I usually don't take calls because I don't think about it. I'm just like engrossed in talking to the person. I was, why don't we take some calls? Because 75 or more percent of the time, somebody will ask a question is, you know, that if I just put out the thing, well, used to be, it's a little better now, but people used to call in with, like, why would you even ask that question? It has nothing to do with what we're talking about here, but you have to be nice because they're calling in. Um,. So I will take those, 213 two no two 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 998 two three two three uh, Sometimes Sorry. I get them by Facebook, actually.
4: Yeah, and if, if they think oh, of something chat? later, yeah. Damon... Yeah. Facebook chat? Yeah. Damon also has a Facebook page that I'm sure... Are you on, on Facebook wo- chat heard? right now? Yes, you'd, I am. You'd huh. welcome Nobody's new friends, right, on your Facebook Dave Coleman
2: said he wanted to call. I guess I haven't heard... What happened to Dave... Packard. What happened to Dave Coleman?
1: He must be asleep because it's... Well, there oh, we see, there. Calling. See they,
4: they just waited to be invited to call.
1: I'm not even going to like uh, I'm not going to uh screen it. Hello.
0: Hello, is this a Kill Radio?
1: Yes, it is.
0: Excellent. I was hoping to get on here and talk to you, Damon. All right. Hacker?
1: Yes. He can hear you? Mhm.
0: Cool. Hi, uh my name is John from Cleveland, Ohio.
1: John
2: John John what? John Riddlebaugh Oh, John, of course Sure, I know, yeah From Facebook, yeah Hey, John, yeah, from Ohio Sure
1: Yeah Yep Yes, do you have yeah, a question?
0: I've, I've been listening to your show The last uh, few hours Uh-huh Yeah, so, anyway, I was wondering What's your follow-up to uh, Fox for? Oh, that was my question Do you have a follow-up
2: friend? Uh, I don't know It's a good question I, I don't know I have no idea I don't have anything in the works. Um I don't know.
3: Space Disco.
2: Foxford 2 3D. I I yeah, I don't know.
0: Oh. Okay. <laughs> anything yeah, else? Seems like were you plan to give me away some copies of the movie Foxford?
2: Yes. Did you get one? Send me didn't I thought didn't I send you one?
0: I never received
2: one yet. Oh, just send me an email on Facebook, and I will send you one. This definitely. Plans. I don't think. I
0: am what if we copyright? Do I pay you or something?
2: Uh, if you if you want to, I mean, yeah, just send me an email on uh, on Facebook. I'll make sure you get one. If you want to send me some some money or some postage funds, uh, that'd be great. Um, my uh, my i 'll give out my my paypal address is um o o g i l a at webtv.net, dot net w e b t v dot net it 's an old old email address i kept for paypal i just i just use it for that
4: where people can also make contributions to help fund your next feature
2: yes i don't think that's going to happen but uh but yeah yeah oh, you had a lot of asking. fundraisers yeah. going over the last um two years uh, and and didn't make a lot uh, although a lot of people really tried to i mean the, the, i mean I, I made something on each one and there were people that were putting in a lot more than others and and
1: uh I made the best film I could um,
4: but did we tell people they can already order your dVD of Fox fur
1: yes, please give out uh, any information you would like to give out and people to contact or people want to order the film or any of your other films
2: oh uh well yeah i just i, I just uh, did, did, Send me an email on, uh, well, if you're not on Facebook, uh, my regular email is Space Disco 1, just the way it sounds, Space Disco with a number 1 at yahoo.com. Shoot me an email there,
1: and I will give you the details on how to order a DVD. All right. Thanks so much, Damon, for coming in. And talking about fur and all this other stuff that I wanted to talk about. And, and Lainey, too, for uh, joining us and yeah. asking questions.
4: Thanks, Damon. And, and thanks, Greg, for sure. letting me sit in and, and interrupt here and there. Yeah,
1: thanks so much. It, it, it didn't interrupt. Time
2: went by fast.
1: Didn't yeah. That's what happens on this around. show. Uh, so we got At the Show coming up with Bob. Hi, Bob. Oh, and
4: also thanks to Al for driving.
1: Oh, yes. Thank you, yeah. Al. You look a lot like my friend, another friend of mine, John, who works at Disney actually yeah you look just like John John Hagenbrenner <laughs> uh so i don't know if john you have any 2011 2012 That's nice uh so, john, so yeah I, go ahead what so john was the only caller yeah john for, huh yeah well I, we didn't well, ask earlier because i usually get wrapped up in talking to people and i, I don't uh, call for calls
4: well we'll have to bring damon back yeah. For for another evening on Kill Radio <laughs> where we do all calls. Just calls.
2: Just Caller Call night. I've got to get a DVD to George Norrie. I was just thinking of that today. Yeah, well, I hope Ooh. he pays attention.
4: That sounds like a good idea for a movie.
1: So I, I, I <laughs> Getting into, a DVD to George Norrie.
2: I rented to George at, at a supermarket uh, about a year ago. What? And, and really? gave, I gave him a copy. I I didn't have Reflections of Evil. I gave him a copy of Space Disco. I don't know if he ever watched it, but uh, he was—he was, he was really—he uh, was genuinely like curious, and uh, um, he came out to the parking lot, and I was uh, going through my car looking for DVDs, and he was like, "Yeah, I want to," you know. I was telling him about it and the, the references in it, and the, Alex Jones and David Ike, and he's, he was with his producer Tom Danheiser, and I, I gave them both copies. I, that was the only one I had with me, but I, yeah, I've got to get him a copy. I just, just a random thought.
1: Yeah. Get one get one over there to Nori. You never know what's gonna happen. Uh I don't know what music to go out with. I guess I'll just put Lonelyville by Porter Wagner on because I really like that song.
4: Well later you could um add in you have any tangerine s- dream. Some Fox for music.
1: Yes, I'm going to put the I'm I'm going to insert that into the uh posted uh version of this show. Uh mm. once again thank you and Radio right Steam also will probably be back be back next week. Um, And this show will be posted within two to three days, as it usually is. Uh, So uh, stay tuned for At The Show, and we'll see you next week.
0: Well, I'm moving from the bright lights of the city a place where the sun don't shine and it never will A town where no one knows the population I'm moving to a place called Lonelyville The streetlights there are black as the bottom of a coal mine And the faces you see there will make you